Welcome to Beyond the Boardroom with me, Kieran Paul. Now this is a brand new type of episode, a news in brief episode, that we are really excited to bring you. At the start of each month, I will be joined by Rebecca Sherritt, who you already know, as well as Antoinette Giblin. Antoinette is a new voice to the podcast and looks after our newswire. Both she and Rebecca will pick their top story of the month and explain why they think you need to know about them. But before we begin, Antoinette, I'll let you properly introduce yourself. Thank you, Kieran. Yes. So first of all, great to be part of this new News in Brief podcast. So I'm Antoinette and I'm the Newswire editor here at Insightia. I would have joined in July of last year and I'm based out of our Irish office, the diligent Irish office, I should say, in the west of Ireland in Galway. So delighted to be part of it. OK, well, we'll start with you, Antoinette. What did you pick as your biggest corporate governance news story of recent weeks? Well, I guess I can't go without mentioning one of the biggest proxy contests we'd been watching this season, and that was Disney at um, with Nelson Peltz at Disney making his bid for a board seat. However, of course, that came to a kind of an abrupt end earlier this month on the 9th of February when Peltz declared that proxy fight was over. And that change of heart coming just a day after the company unveiled its restructuring plan, um, which involved a lot of cost saving measures. Um, which were initially estimated to result in around $5 billion in savings and including a lot of layoffs there. So Pels congratulated Disney a day after unveiling that restructuring plan and said the proxy fight was over. But more importantly, today's more live and ongoing campaign that I want to speak about is Ritchie Brothers Auctioneers and its controversial merger plan with IAA. And Rebecca, am I right in thinking you chose a story about a lawsuit at Shell? I have indeed. One story that really caught my eye was that environmental charity Klein Earth is suing Shell due to the company's alleged failure to manage climate-related risks. More specifically, Klein Earth is suing Shell's board of directors for breaching their legal duties for failing to implement a climate transition plan that sufficiently aligns with Paris Agreement goals. This is my top pick because there's a lot of eyes on the oil and gas sector at the moment, and a lot of big AGMs coming up in the coming months, where investors are waiting with bated breath to see how they can encourage these oil companies to strengthen their climate commitments. Let's delve into Antoinette's pick first. Why is the Ritchie Brothers campaign such a big deal? Yes, it's an interesting one. This campaign has been running for about um, a number of months now. Uh, Insightia first brought the new story of the plan merger in November last year, and it's involving a $7.3 billion deal. So since then, and since we broke that news initially, investor groups have been coming out on both sides against it. And I think I need to point out as well that central to all of this is Starboard's involvement and the terms under the deal. Um, that has really agitated many investor groups on both sides, um, from Ritchie Brothers and from IAA. So under the deal, just to give you a bit of background, Starboard would invest $500 million in the combined company in return for a chairman post and convertible preferred shares. 
and IAA shareholders would get a better cash consideration, a greater cash consideration, and Ritchie Brothers shareholders would get a greater share of the overall combined company. And which shareholders have opposed the merger? So since then, um, since the plan was announced, RBA shareholders um, who have highlighted their opposition, first of all, we had Luxor Capital. They were the first to come out and highlight concerns. They did that in December. And they argued that IAA, which is a salvage vehicle auction company, they argued that it's a distinctly inferior business to RBA, uh, which is a Canadian equipment marketplace. So after their concerns were aired, um, their concerns were followed by another investor group, Janice Henderson, and they argued that RBA, as well as in a much stronger position than IAA, both in terms of its market share and its client base. So um, on top of all of that, Deepfield Asset Management, another investor group and RBA shareholder, stressed that the transaction lacked public support from any credible impartial shareholders. So a lot of people from the RBA side coming out against it. And this was also reflected from shareholders in IAA as well. And they were very much opposed to the deal. First, we had um, Ankara. They urged IAA to renegotiate the deal um, to get a sweeter deal for the shareholder base. Um, And then they changed their tune after the starboard involvement um, and they opted to support it and even push against Luxor's arguments. And then the latest um, IAA shareholders to come out against it is the major holder in the company, and that's Disserene Group. And they've been arguing that the deal lacks any compelling strategic rationale for IAA. And they say that IAA itself has strong prospects as an independent company, so they don't want to see this merger moving forward. So it's all going to be decided at a special meeting on the 14th of March when that transaction will face a vote. Um, And obviously we'll be bringing uh, you a report on that. But I know, you know, obviously the company and many other investor groups have been coming out in support of it. So, Rebecca, you're going to ask this one about Antoinette's story. How has the company responded to claims that the merger shouldn't go forward? Well, I think it's safe to say that Richie Bros has been pretty vocal about how its board believes the combined enterprise will unlock significant value for shareholders. And if anything, the company's been pretty strongly resistant to any claims to the opposite. After Luxor Capital claimed the merger is extremely value destructive and being manipulated through the adjustment of IAA financial forecasts, Richie Bros snapped back saying that Luxor's claims are nothing more than deceptive and self-serving. Richie Bros also noted that the fact that its own share price has increased by 14% in the past two months is sign enough that shareholders understand the many financial and strategic benefits of the acquisition. And as Antoinette said, the company's arguments only been more bolstered by Starboard Value's involvement. And Cora Advisors has similarly come forward and claimed that Richie Bros shares could more than double in price to over $130 a piece over the next two years if the deal goes through. And to your story, Rebecca, could you tell us more about why Klein Turf is suing Shell? Sure. One big point of contention is Shell's climate plan, the quality of which has been subject to debate among investors for several years now. The company claims its target to halve its emissions derived from global operations by 2030, is industry-leading. 
But on the flip side, Klein Earth has criticised the plan for excluding short and medium-term Scope 3 emissions targets, despite emissions from its value chain actually accounting for more than 90% of the company's overall emissions. As such, Client Earth is asking the High Court of England and Wales for an order that requires Shell's board to adopt a stronger strategy to manage climate risk. And in compliance with prior Dutch court judgment, they're also asking for Shell to be mandated to reduce its emissions by 45% by 2030, based on 2019 levels. And this lawsuit is supported by a really generous number of investors, representing more than £45 billion in assets. This isn't really too surprising. Shell's say on climate plan faced 20% opposition last year, up from only around 10 or 11% opposition the year before. And various shareholder proposals seeking much more ambitious emissions reductions targets have won between 20 to 30% support at Shell in the past two years, so its shareholders really have been vocal about Shell stepping up its climate efforts. Let's bring Antoine into this story then. Uh, looking beyond Shell, how are investors engaging with other oil companies on emissions reductions? Yeah, it's interesting to look at the trend here. Um, follow this tend to lead lots of the more notable engagements on emissions reduction proposals targeting US and European oil majors. And if we look at 2021, the proposals performed quite well. The 12 climate change proposals subject to a vote at energy companies globally won 45.9%, so almost 46% average support. But then if you look at 2022, given the global oil shortage, uh, they performed worse than expected. So the 23 proposals of that kind globally won 23.9% average support. And then I guess looking towards this year's um, investors are hoping for a rebound in support for their proposals. However, you do notice a certain shift. Take follow this, for example, it is more than half the number of oil companies it's going to target with proposals just to companies that it deems to be the most influential. So as part of this move, it has refined its focus level overall to the companies, the four super major companies, Shell, BP, Exxon and Chevron. And the argument, um, again, is that they consistently fail to set meaningful targets for their scope three emissions and those emissions approximately representing 90 percent of their overall emissions. So as part of that, the advocacy group is streamlining its proposals to seek just those scope three emissions reporting rather than going for the scope one, two and three. So they are hoping for a rebound this year again, um, moving on from what happened in 2022. Um, but you do notice that shift, the fact that they are refining their focus now to those four super majors. And, and Rebecca, we've had some pretty interesting in-depth articles recently. We have indeed. One I found really interesting was a report on the rise in shareholder proposals seeking reporting on US state policies restricting reproductive rights, and more particularly how these impact companies and their own policy making. This rise in proposal filings comes as more than 60 anti-abortion bills have been filed in this year's US legislative session, and more than 30 shareholder proposals on this topic have been filed for this proxy season which is triple the 10 scene in 2022. Rhea Ventures, which is largely leading this initiative, 
has been filing proposals on this topic for several years now, but confirmed to us in an interview that Roe versus Wade ultimately caused more investors to pick up their tools and tackle the rise in anti-abortion policymaking this year. So that's our in-depths. What about our vulnerability offerings this month, Antoinette? Uh, What companies stood out for you as one of the most likely to be targeted by an activist investor? Yeah, Kieran, we've had many. Um, Our reporters have been examining many companies over recent weeks as part of our vulnerability offering. One of those um, that stood out was well-known brand Johnson & Johnson, a household name. It's one of the many companies that uh, our team examined this particular month, and it has underperformed its Incitia Vulnerability Selected Peer Group on a number of fronts. So with investors questioning its overall governance, impending patent cliffs and recent changes at the top as well, the company has found its stock deemed to be in the 76th percentile of companies most likely to be targeted by an activist investor in coming months. So Johnson & Johnson, it's already trying to respond to years of underperformance through various initiatives. Some of these involved a partial breakup and a $5 billion share repurchase. However, our reporters examined this and they found that an activist could possibly push it to separate its pharmaceuticals and medical devices businesses, perhaps through something like asset sales rather than opting for a spin-off. Now, it was also found that an activist could also point to concerns about Johnson & Johnson's governance. The company's strategy for handling litigation, for example, was recently the subject of a court defeat that hurt its public reputation, while shareholders also nearly passed a shareholder proposal objecting to the exclusion of litigation costs from compensation in 2022. So a number of factors there impacting its vulnerability score. Now, we've all got a pretty busy month ahead for shareholder engagements. Uh, Is there anything you both are keeping an eye on in the coming weeks? Uh, Rebecca, what annual meetings are you watching? We are spoiled for choice. There's lots of big AGMs happening in the coming few weeks. Uh, As is the case every year, we will, of course, be watching to see how emissions reporting proposals perform at all the big oil and gas company annual meetings. We know proposals of this kind have been filed at companies like the infamous Shell, BP, Chevron and ExxonMobil. And as we said, these will very much be up for debate as to whether they will perform better than they did in 2022 or whether the global energy shortage and market volatility will hamper support once again. I think Apple's March 23rd AGM will also be super interesting. Last year, a racial audit proposal won majority support at Apple, but no further action was really taken, so it will be interesting to see if they face the same request again. I'm also looking forward to seeing how Apple's say on pay plan fares. It faced around 35% opposition last year, so ahead of this year's AGM, CEO Tim Cook took a 40% pay cut, so I'm wondering if that will be enough to squash any dissent. Okay, Rebecca, and then Antoinette, any interest in proxy fights due for decision shortly? So as we mentioned already, we already obviously were watching the Disney campaign and Ritchie Brothers will be keeping a special eye on that in March. But we're also keeping an eye on Purple Innovation and it's facing a board offensive from Coliseum, which has nominated five directors to a seven person board. And this is a particularly interesting one as the activist has recently declared its decision to go to court to block Purple Innovation from issuing preferred stock that it argues is designed to entrench management. The AGA 
game where that fight for seats will take place won't likely happen until April or May based on last year. Um, now, as I said, it's interesting because Purple Innovation took an unusual step recently um, declaring it was going to issue preferred stock with cumulative voting rights to prevent a board sweep by an activist investor holding close to half of its share capital. So that's an interesting one that I know the sector will be watching closely, but I don't think we're going to see results there until April or possibly May. Thanks, Antoinette. Uh, Well, that was fun. Shall we say meet here same time next month? Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that like we did. Um, Antoinette and Rebecca will be back with me next month. Now, before we end, I thought I'd tell you about this year's Diligent Modern Governance Summit. It takes place in Orlando, Florida, from September the 13th to the 15th, and is quite simply the biggest governance risk and compliance event of the year. There will be over 80 product and thought leadership sessions, and if you click the link in the show description, you can see the early bird pricing available exclusively now. So I'd get on that if I were you. Thanks for downloading um, and I'll see you next time when I'm joined by the sponsors of our next special report, Corporate Governance in Asia 2023.